Welcome to Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Got another episode. I think you can tell from the title. It's about card flipping, and that's not the same as collection flipping or uh, flipping a card on ComC or eBay or any other place where you buy low and then sell high. This is about the card leaving your hand and going somewhere and you winning or losing against your peers. Uh, for me, that was strictly when I was a little kid. And hopefully for you, it would be too, because flipping can, this kind of flipping when the card lands on the ground, unless, again, some of these newer cards are pretty indestructible. But back in the day, uh, there was uh, always going to be corner damage or creases if you were uh, messing around with cards. If we'd known now, we should have just kept them in the packs. In fact, kept the wrappers, kept the boxes, and uh, and, and all that. So, uh, But before we get into card flipping, uh, again, thank you to our sponsors. We've got great sponsors, Beckett Media, BGS and BAS, Burbank out in California, ComC, check out my cards, uh, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, Card Shop, Panini, which is Panini America, and does uh, a great job on football and basketball. Tops, great job on baseball, longtime iconic brand, and Upper Deck. Been around 30 years, but uh, really has been an amazing success story. So about flipping, I've got five games I did when I was a kid. Uh, I don't like playing games of luck. I like playing games of skill. And I like to hone my skill. And I think that's something I share with some people. Again, it's, it's, um, it's. So the first game was, I, my recollection, it was called Topsies. And it was basically, you, the, it would, it could be a group thing. You would, display some cards on the carpet or on the floor and it'd be at somebody's house or in a bigger room and then you'd stand uh, without standing on the cards you'd stand to the side and you would drop your cards they would have to turn over in the air they couldn't just float down on a magic carpet but you'd drop them and if you landed on a card you got your card in that card you just had to be touching it so you, if if there were Roberto Clemente cards in my neighborhood or Mickey Mantle or some other uh, player, you you would you would stand close to that. You would try to let your card tumble and flip over and land on on that good guy. Interestingly, I'm just realizing that Clemente probably in the Pittsburgh when I was in Pittsburgh, yeah, he was he was popular, but so was Bill Mazeroski and. And this was before Willie Stargell, but, uh, and Mickey Mantle, I do recall, was popular. But, you know, I don't think Hank Aaron was a big deal until later, even though he'd had those World Series appearances. He, he, he really just came on with a sustained excellence. And Willie Mays was, I think Willie Mays was, was, was pretty popular, not as much as Mantle, but certainly, certainly a popular player. And so you'd be standing over these and you, you would, uh, you, you would try to land on. And if you landed on it, you got it. I have no idea how the game was ended because the card, it just got more and more, um, uh, crowded on the carpet. 
And so at some point we quit and divvied up the cards, you know, and, and, you know, took, took turns taking one at a time until everything was removed. The next one was called, I think it was called like match and dematch. And basically it was a kind of a, uh, just one against one thing where you would drop your card and then if the net, your opponent would drop his card and if it, if they were both, uh, uh, heads up, you know, face up, you know, the front of the card up and you called it of a match, then you got him. And dematch was if you had the opposite. If it was a, a back was up and you had the, the uh, the front of the card was was showing that it would be not a match, and so if you called it, you got that. And so I have no idea what skill was involved in either of these first two games, other than to be able to drop a card and have it have it flip over some even or odd number of times until it landed on something or landed on the right right side. Uh, the next one was something I was good at, and this was skill, and it was kind of a distance thing. You you would. You'd be in a, in a, in a, down a hall, generally down a, a long hall, and you would flip it to see how far you could get it down the hall. Now, obviously, if you're flicking it, flipping it, uh, it's not going to land in a way that's, that's, uh, that's soft. And nowadays, it, it'd almost be cheating because some of the cards that are available that are, that are uh, plastic or reinforced or metallic, uh, stiffer, uh, you know, reinforced, the, those would go a long, long way. In fact, they would, they could hurt somebody if you, if you, uh, if you, uh, somebody was at the other end of the hall. Uh, but in those days when cards were, I mean, it was just, well, frankly, it was just all tops cards in those days. And, uh, you know, I got, I got good at that. There's a certain way of shaping the card or, or, uh, to, uh, to make it, uh, go, it needed to go straight and long because if it, if it didn't go straight, it would go against the side wall and then it would just drop. So I I got good at that. I I guess I I guess I practiced. I don't know what else I did when I was a kid, but I loved cards and I I had a bunch of them. Clearly, I had no concept of condition and no one else in the neighborhood did either. Uh, the next game was, which we did sometimes, which would again be over at somebody's house, would be you'd put a trash can in the corner of the room, a, a little small uh, floor, floor trash can, and then you'd sit on the chairs or whatever you would do at the opposite end of the room, and you'd try to throw, uh, you'd try to flip your cards into the trash can. Obviously, uh, most of them didn't go in the trash can. The trash can was kind of small. But whenever you got one in the trash can, you got to pick up all the cards that were on the floor. And then you started over again. So that, I got good at that too. Of, and so I've seen people do that with playing cards. But again, it just hurts me to think that I was doing that with, with cards from the, uh, generally from the 50s, maybe early 60s, but but that that was mostly that was mostly like 1959, as I recall. And then lastly, uh, the the one I remember doing in the sixth grade up against the school wall uh, when we go to school early was it was called leaners or standers or it was kind of an against the wall thing where there'd be you'd draw a line 10 or 12 feet away from the wall and you would try to flip the card as close as you could to the wall now if it was uh, on the ground and touching the wall uh, that would win 
unless somebody had something that was leaning or standing against the wall. And so that would be the winner unless, and again, if two were standing against the wall, it'd be whichever one was was uh, was standing taller, if it was on its side or whether it was horizontal or vertical, but you would just eyeball it. And I have to tell you that the arbiter, the decision maker uh, in every time seemed to be always the biggest and toughest kid, which wasn't me. So there'd be somebody that would just say, uh, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the winner. And you just, that was a kind of schoolyard uh, justice, I suppose, in those days. Another wrinkle is if something was standing against, was standing and leaning against the wall, you could also win by knocking down the leaner, the stander. You'd have to flip your card just, I actually got really good at that. And if you could, well, and then if nobody else could get anything to lean, then you, by virtue of knocking down the leaner, you would get all the cards. So you'd get all the cards that were there. So there'd be, you know, 15 or 20 cards, and then you'd start over. I have no recollection of who went first, who went last. Now in game theory, which, you know, I did all this education and all this stuff, realizing that going first, not so cool, going last, very preferential. So the uh, other aspect of this that really bugged me is I I look back and I just think of, again, why didn't I keep the wrappers when I had these cards? Uh, Why did I really put at risk my better cards? Did I have any concern about high numbers in 59 or 60? Did I... Uh, or 61, for that matter. Those were my big collecting years. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, whether I kept those and only uh, put at risk my my less valuable cards, or whether that just wasn't considered sporting in the day uh, to 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 not have the excitement of having having a really good card there. And then finally, for my my my. Uh, embarrassing boo-boo, which I've, nobody's ever shown me one of these now because it would be a needle in the haystack. But when we did these uh, in one of the cities, because I had a different city in 59, 60, and 61. In 59, we were in, in Pittsburgh. In 60, we were in, in, uh, in Chicago, suburb of Chicago. And in 61, it kind of overlapped because we moved in the summer, but uh, the the main cards uh, collecting were and it was in Wheeling, West Virginia, and Wheeling was the only one where, and this is terrible, but they they had a neighborhood tradition of putting your initials on the back of your card, and so when we flipped, if one of these games was played and there was a and the somebody came and the game was interrupted or something, you could go get your cards because they had your initials on the back. To this day, I no longer have any 61 tops that have my initials on them. I'm not going to tell you what kind of script I used, but it'd really be cool to to find one of those. Or MP for Mike Phillips, who was my uh, my nemesis and then friend back in the sixth grade, and and some of the other um, uh, other uh, other friends, yeah. yeah. John Wurzbacher, J.W., Eric Carter, E.C. I don't know if those guys uh, are out there or if there's any uh, cards with those initials. 
but uh, that was uh, this was a fun time. Uh, sixth grade can be can be bad, but it can be good, and it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun for me and my friends. And sports cards were a big part of that. Again, we did look at we did look at the fronts and the backs of the cards, and that was uh, I was uh, very uh, analytical in that respect, and and many of my friends were were aware of that. But just flipping the cards and the physicality of of just doing that rather than keeping the cards in a box, um, you know, we got together, we traded, we flipped. Uh, it was a it was a it was a, a social outlet that was a lot of fun. So, uh, thanks for giving me a chance to go down memory lane and uh, look at these five different ways that I uh, devalued the cards that I had when I was a kid. But again, if everyone had kept their cards in pristine condition from uh, the 50s and the 60s and and even at my dad's uh, 30s and 40s, they wouldn't be as valuable, especially as valuable in uh, when they're in uh, when they're in great shape and graded by uh BGS and others. So again, thanks for your time. Look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. Uh, Have a great day. Bye-bye.